0: Lecture six, part two of Christian Patience by William Bernard Ullathorne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Lecture six on Patience as the Discipline of the Soul. Part two. To put the whole relation of patience with charity theologically, it is not the habit or exercise of patience alone that gives perfection to our actions. But it is patience proceeding from charity and working in the spirit and abundance of charity. In short, it is charity bearing all things and enduring all things. All aversions that have impatience or passion in them are contrary to the love of God, and the patience of charity casts them off by refusing to entertain them. Sufferings have to be endured for the love of God, but it is the patience of charity that endures them. We have to perfect our ordinary actions for the love of God, that we may be perfect in our human way before our Heavenly Father, as He is most perfect in His divine way. But it is the patience of charity that makes our actions perfect. First Rule The first rule for acquiring this virtue is to hold its value in great estimation and to have a great desire of it this desire will be best entertained by reflection and meditation on its inestimable value both for removing evil and obtaining good it is for this reason that we have enlarged so much upon its indispensable necessity for the perfecting of charity and for making real progress in perfection of life the mere reading of a book will do little however towards generating this desire unless its truths be well digested by reflection and assisted by prayer another great help to this desire will be to observe how much we fail from our best intentions and best endeavours after the virtues solely because of our want of patience A virtue so precious can only be perfected by sustained and vigorous efforts, and these come of earnest desires and strong motives. Second rule The second rule is to begin the exercise of patience with our own interior and to direct our chief attention to the controlling of our interior powers. For this virtue must be strong at home before it can be strong abroad by its very nature as resting on the internal strength of the will it can only proceed from the interior to the exterior the whole secret of it lies in the government of the will if the will is patient the whole man will be patient this is what spiritual writers call the custody of the heart and what st ambrose calls the temperance of the heart the heart is the seat of the affections and the organ of the will so long as the tremulous heart is kept in the custody of the will and is recollected in the sense of god outward provocations will have no power over it whether they come from the irritation of the senses or from external troubles in a word by the heart the sacred scriptures signify the interior and central spirit of life which looks to god and adheres to god the proverb says with all watchfulness keep thy heart because life issues out from it proverbs chapter four verse twenty three upon this custody of the heart the psalmist never ceases his song it would be tedious to crowd these pages with references but whoever is familiar with the sacred psalmody will remember that god is there represented as watching the heart of man and the heart of the just man watches unto god he maketh the heart of each one separately that is god maketh the good which every single heart possesses he is also called the god of my heart and my portion for eternity his law is in the middle of the heart and they who return to the heart return to god he says to each one my child give me thy heart and when it is given to him he speaks to the heart enlightens the heart searches the heart proves the heart heals the contrite of heart and saves the humble and just of heart the meditation of the heart is in his sight the hope of the heart is set upon him the prayer of the heart ascends before him like incense in his sight and the sighs of the heart go up to him seeking his mercy and his love the just man under trials is exhorted to expect the lord to do manfully to let his heart take courage and await with patience the coming of the lord when prepared to hope in the lord his heart is strengthened and shall not be moved until his enemies are vanquished in meditating with the heart the fire of love is enkindled the heart is liquefied faints from itself and flows unto god and exalts in the living god then is the heart disposed to make ascensions until the god of gods is seen in sion but all this exercising of the heart under the custody of the will is the movement of life towards life and is the work of that interior and fundamental patience of charity with which our central life adheres to god and protects the divine good within the soul from the disturbing intrusions and burglarious thefts that are perpetrated by anger concupiscence or sadness the more the heart is recollected in god the more sensitive will it become to the least intrusion of things tending to disturb its peace and the more firm in refusing them an entrance within the soul whether they come in movements of irascibility or of inordinate desire so that by gathering up the will that inordinate movement may drop defeated for want of entertainment third rule the surest test of the custody of the heart will be found in the government of the tongue let thought go before speech not speech before thought this is an admirable discipline of patience for that small member the tongue full of nerve and sensibility is rooted close to the brain the magazine of our animal sensibilities fancies and passions and is as touchy and inflammable as a magazine of powder it is therefore quickly set on fire by the inferior instincts sensibilities and passions before reflection and judgment intervene with their control for unless by patient watchfulness the animal man is kept under the strict control of the superior man under its restless and misguided influences the tongue will break out into all sorts of irritabilities vanities and follies it is by the patience of recollection that the will restrains those blind vicious and silly emotions that become acts through the ready pliancy of the tongue quick are the motions of fancy and sensibility quick through the electric sympathy awakened by the tolling of other tongues and rapidly they find expression making revelations of the vanities within where the soul is undisciplined by watchful patience the mind in conversation is soon thrown off its guard the emotions that start before reason or judgment get the ascendancy and the will becomes involved in vanities irascibilities, detractions and scandals here st james compares the ungoverned tongue to a fire that once kindled makes a great conflagration it catches one inflammable material after another that lurk within the speaker sets his neighbour's house on fire and the contagion spreads from tongue to tongue in exaggerations far and wide not satisfied with this figure to express so great an evil the apostle says again it inflameth the wheel of our nativity he compares the tongue to that birth in evil that like a wheel whirls away the man from god for a restless tongue like a rapid wheel whirls him anew into the evil from which he has been regenerated by a better birth again he calls the tongue an unquiet evil it is the great disturber of our peace and of the peace of other souls but the remedy of unquietness is patience observe the careful method of st james first he lays down the principle that patience hath a perfect work next he gives the test of this principle in the government of the tongue if any man offend not in word the same is a perfect man he is able also with a bridle to lead about the whole body st james chapter three the bridle is the instrument of restraint it figures the restraining power of patience the man who can bridle his tongue with patient charity can govern his whole person silence is strength and the proverb calls it golden much talkativeness is the sign of a feeble mind and an undisciplined will stobius tells us that when the acutest of philosophers aristotle was asked the question what is the most difficult thing for a man to master he replied to keep silence on things on which it is best to be silent. St. James says that no man can tame the unquiet tongue. He thus leaves us to Solomon's conclusion it is the part of man to prepare the soul and for the Lord to govern the tongue. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. Man prepares his soul by subjection to God. God gives the grace of patience by which the tongue is governed. Be thou, O my soul, subject to God, for from him is my patience. The tree is known by its fruits, and man by his speech. Hence the saying of the ancients, Speak, that I may know thee. Our divine Lord has therefore given us this rule. Out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh a good man out of a good treasure bringeth forth good things and an evil man out of an evil treasure bringeth forth evil things but i say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak they shall render an account of in the day of judgment st matthew chapter twelve verses thirty four to thirty six from this it follows that the evil tongue comes from evil dispositions and consequently, that the watch over the tongue should be directed to the heart. A light, foolish tongue, careless of another's feelings, is the proof of levity in the heart. A vain, conceited, boasting tongue is the sign of a vain heart. A flattering tongue betrays the spirit of hypocrisy. An impatient, irritating tongue is the sure token of an intemperate heart a calm sincere and prudent tongue is the clear indication of a heart that is patient from self-discipline fourth rule the fourth rule of patience is to keep all things in their just and due order that order should first appear in our own interior and our interior exercises next in our exterior and our exterior duties than in our personal surroundings justice is another name for moral order that order which god has established in his laws hence the proverb that order is heaven's first law all the virtues are the servants of justice that is of order the soul says of christ in the canticles he hath set charity in order within me canticles chapter 2 verse 4 there is no beginning of order in the soul without charity which orders the soul towards her final end every other kind of order is subordinate to this first principle of order where charity is begun observe saint augustine order is begun the perfection of charity is the perfection of order but charity is perfect when all the affections are in their due order and subordination to the love of god the object of patience is to keep the soul from disorder and her acts from disorder and of that external order which reflects internal order st paul says let all things be done decently and according to order 1 corinthians chapter fourteen verse forty order again is that primal law by which god regulates his works adjusts them to one another establishes harmony among them and makes them good useful beautiful strong in their kind and suited to their ends order is therefore the perfection of the creature the type of all order is in the mind of god and god has placed a law of order in the mind of man Following which he may perfect himself and whatever depends on his will. If he neglects this law of order, he is weak, confused, and less happy, or altogether at discomfort, because disorder is always feeble, always irritating, even though it reach not the deformity of sin. Order is defective, observes St. Augustine, when there is less of order than there ought to be. For when order is not where it ought to be, and in the manner in which it ought to be, there is still disorder. Where there is some order, there is some good, but where there is no order, there is no good. The absence of all order belongs to that land of darkness and misery, where, says holy Job, is the shadow of death, and no order but everlasting horror dwelleth job chapter ten verse twenty two to quote st bonaventure the soul that is wisely disciplined should observe a well-regulated order everywhere and in all things to the well-regulated mind the beauty of order is not only most becoming but delightful to be careless about the order of external things is the sign of an ill-regulated mind what patience is to our individual actions order is to the whole chain and succession of our actions giving them their completeness perfection and as much merit as they are capable of receiving but who does not know that to keep to this good order is the work of patience to lose patience is the beginning of disorder true order is the result of that disciplined thought and deliberate self-control in which patience is the chief and the ruling element it takes a great deal of patience to keep our own interior in order and not a little of that virtue to do everything in its proper place and time and in the best way of which we are capable some persons have a natural love of seeing everything well disposed around them but if anything becomes deranged their fretting shows that they have not the same love for internal order they love exterior more than interior beauty and take a pride in it as something that may give them credit in their neighbors eyes the true order of the interior man is to ascend from sensible to spiritual things and when engaged in external duties and affairs still to keep an internal hold of those spiritual lights and motives that give value to his external works the due ordering of the interior soul is to keep her centre recollected in god and so to use her powers and her corporal members that they may be the instruments for the performance of her duties she ought never to throw out the central soul upon anything that there may be no departure from the basis of her strength if we lose that calm and collected centre for a time it must be recovered as soon as possible for when the will is united with the light and will of god it becomes easy with a little patience to restore order everywhere else a good interior order will produce a good exterior order for when the will is well regulated it can regulate everything else well of exterior order the most beautiful examples are to be found in the church of god where a divine order of things is externally expressed under the guidance of the holy spirit Much of the same may be said of the well-regulated condition of religious houses, when they reflect the rule in the lives of their inmates. Such external order is very helpful to interior order, because it engages the senses on the side of order and law. The same may be said in its degree of every other kind of external order. Fifth Rule the fifth rule is to bear patiently with those whose tempers are infirm and to endure their tempers with charitable kindness this rule is given us by st paul now we that are stronger ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves let every one of you please his neighbour unto good to edification for christ did not please himself but as it is written the reproaches of them that reproach thee fell upon me romans chapter fifteen verses one through three it is shrewdly remarked by cassian that weak spirits are quick to imagine wrongs and prompt to inflict insults and injuries whilst never suspecting that they are themselves in fault having but little knowledge of themselves They use the licence of offence without misgiving, yet cannot endure the least rebuke themselves. Their irritability and impatience is like a painful malady which gives them great disturbance, the cause of which they cannot see. It never enters their mind that in charging their sufferings to their neighbours they make themselves a pitiable spectacle yet not unconscious of the pain they inflict they mistake their weak complainings for a kind of power over others careless of self-respect careless of charity such infirm spirits are the victims of sadness and have need to be borne with in great patience prudence and charity like the sick in body or mind to retort upon them would be to mistake their case and increase the infirmity. To avoid them would be to abandon charity and to forfeit a gain to one's own soul because they offer an opportunity to the virtues of patience, charity, and self-conquest. It will not do to answer them in words of affected gentleness, which instead of appeasing, will only enkindle a greater conflagration nor will it do to let them know that you look upon them with compassion and bear with them patiently this would be to assert a superiority provocative of indignation but in your heart keep patience and in your voice cheerfulness and let your words be prudent few and kind think not of your own but of what may be profitable to that infirm spirit remember how that heart is suffering in secret and will suffer more when the excitement has passed away so shall you reap the fruits of patience in charity and help to heal that suffering soul saints have sought to be the servants of such irritable souls with a view to their self-discipline and perfection and have finally brought them to meekness and peace when we are associated with the sick or infirm of body their sufferings and complaints awaken no bitterness in us we know that we are liable to the like infirmities hence we have a tender and charitable care of those who are thus afflicted why then should we be irritated with weak and infirm souls unless we wish to catch the contagion of their infirmity the needs of their condition call for charity god endures them and they suffer from their infirmity if in his mercy he has given to us a greater self-control the gratitude of our patience requires that we should endure what we cannot cure and whilst bearing the trial we should ask him to heal what is beyond our remedies end of lecture 6 part 2